He pushed the referee down. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm J.R. Judy, joined by Wade Skaggs. And hey, Wade, did you hear about the... Listen, 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 okay? We're talking about Halloween Havoc. Well, let me tell you what I'm talking about. There's some havoc in Halloween, all right. There's a serious, serious miscarriage of justice going on. There's no Pepe on this show. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm distraught, okay? I don't really care that Mongo's not there, but the man himself, Pepe, is not there. What are you thinking? This is the whole selling point for the whole pay-per-view. This has been a horrifying opening to Halloween Havoc 1995. Uh, clearly, Wade is uh, a little upset going into this pay-per-view. We welcome you to a special Listen, pay-per-view no, edition I ain't of the podcast. Nobody to nothing. <laughs> okay. Listen, I, it's Halloween. Listen, the gimmick for the last two months has been Pepe's been dressing up in costumes, and here comes the perfect. The perfect, perfect opportunity to put my man Pepe in a costume, and they said, nope, we're not going to have him on the show. Screw you, Eric. <laughs> Wade is coming out firing for a pay-per-view edition of the Monday Night Warfare podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is the weekly breakdown of WCW versus the WWF with a sprinkle of ECW. We are on a pay-per-view detour this week, Halloween Havoc 1995, and uh, clearly the Pepe lover of the group is a little frustrated going into the event. Do you yes. want some good Do you want some good news to make you feel a little better before Halloween Havoc? Absolutely. So Halloween Havoc took place on Sunday, October the 29th, 1995. The previous evening on Saturday, on WCW Saturday night, Harlem Heat, with assistance from Sister Sherry, defeated the American Males. We have new World Tag Team Champions. Ooh, very nice. Very I, nice. I bring this up because you won't see any of that on the pay-per-view. Nope. <laughs> There's no reference to the new World Tag Team Champions, Harlem Heat. Uh, let, let's set the stage here, Wade, for Halloween Havoc 1995. Since WCW Nitro's inception on September the 4th, we've really been building to this super clash of Hulk Hogan and the Giant. The Giant made his presence felt back in the month of August, or actually rather July at Bash at the Beach when he first debuted, made his presence felt in August chasing down Hulk Hogan. And then at Fall Brawl 95, he attacked, he broke the neck of Hulk Hogan. They shave the mustache of Hulk Hogan, they break his neck a second time. The Dungeon of Doom is looking to take out Hulk Hogan. This is their opportunity in our main event at Halloween Havoc. We got a pretty loaded lineup, though, to cover this week. Oh, yeah. It's loaded for sure. I'm telling you, man. They did an absolutely incredible job uh, building up this main event level feud. Uh, I'm looking forward to this so much going into it. They did a great job building this up, man. If I'm a kid watching this, I'm just going wild waiting for Hulk to get his hands on the giant and everything. Uh, great buildup. Uh, let's see how it turned out. So it's man against man, also machine against machine in the Monster Truck Sumo match. Going into this event, besides the world title build, was there anything else you were looking forward to or, or really kind of centered on Hogan and Giant? 
Oh, it, it definitely was because you know I'd never seen the whole uh, monster truck sumo thing. Uh, I'd never seen this match, so I'm thinking like, okay, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, the other matches on here, I'm not really that much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to see, I guess, what happens between Lex and and uh, um, Macho Man. Looking forward to seeing what happens with Sting and Ric Flair, Arn Anderson and Flying Brian. So those things I'm looking forward to, and I love seeing DDP and uh, Johnny B. Bad also. So uh, it's it's a good card. Let's get right into it, man. Well, before we get to the actual pay-per-view portion, let's run down what happened before on WCW main event, kind of the pre-show. couple things to note here. One thing you don't see, and they kind of reference later on commentary, Bobby the Brain Heenan was seen eating sushi and drinking champagne uh, with a gentleman. The gentleman they're referring to is Sonny Ono, who is the liaison between WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that'll be something to kind of look forward to in the coming months in WCW. So we're going to have a little Japanese influence on WCW coming soon, in addition to already Kurosawa being there. Uh, mm. On the main event, Eddie Guerrero <sighs> defeated Disco Inferno in 324. There was no Disco Fever. Uh, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko defeated the Blue Bloods, Lord Steven Regal and Earl Robert Eaton in 845. Mr. Wonderful... Here, here, ready for a downslide? Defeats the Renegade in a minute 52. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with him, man? Like, he was sort of a big deal, and now I don't know what's going on with Mr. Wonderful, bro. No, 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 the Renegade's the downfall here. He was Well, either way, bro. I mean, all you're getting is Sunday night, not Sunday night heat, what's main event, whatever it's called. I don't even know. I don't care. Uh, Come on, man. Where's Mr. Wonderful at? And in the main event of main event, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman defeated VK Wall Street in 3 minutes and 40 seconds after Hacksaw Jim Duggan interferes with a taped fist knocking out VK Wall Street. The American flag pants that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was wearing was great. Uh, pretty much the rest of, uh, of the main event is hyping up the, the main portion of the pay-per-view. They're kind of going through previewing the monster trucks. They're showing the giant and Hulk Hogan on top of Cobalt Hall, kind of testing out the trucks. We'll get we'll get in more into that here in a second. We are in the Joe Lewis Arena and Cobo Hall, kind of, on top of Cobo Hall in Detroit. 13,000 fans, 7,000 paid, a $138,000 gate. That's the second largest WCW gate of 1995. Only behind Super Brawl 5 in February, which was $165,000. Pay-per-view buys, $120,000, up from $95,000 for Fall Brawl 95, so an upswing. But it is down from $210,000 for 1994's Halloween Havoc. That had Hogan and Flair in the retirement matchup for the WCW World title with Mr. T involved. What a chaotic time that was. Yeah. Uh, on commentary, Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan. I loved the very cheesy Halloween Havoc graphics during the mm -hmm. opening. These were prime mid-90s graphics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was so bad. They're, at one point, they're doing it. There's a, there's a face-off where they have Hogan and Giant next to each other, and they look eye-to-eye. -eye. I'm like, Hogan's like six inches shorter than Giant. This is not how this works. They, bro, I, they, have, they had one graphic where they show Hulk is literally bigger than the Giant. I'm like, bro, what are you, what's going on here? Gotta make Hogan look strong, brother, brother. I guess so. Uh, we get a few clips again of Hogan on top of Cobo Hall with the Giant testing out their trucks, and they're playing a little bit of chicken, which is weird. Like, they're they're doing what the sumo match is b before the sumo match, which which is weird. Uh, 
we find out from Tony Schiavone before we went on the air for Halloween Havoc, the Nature Boy Ric Flair was attacked by Flying Bryant and Arn Anderson. He's uncertain for the tag match. And Sting hasn't even arrived at the building yet. First of all, Sting, you're really late, dude. Like, pay-per-view started. Uh, so Sting has no idea, but it looks like we're going to have a handicap match. Uh, <laughs> you texted me when you were watching this show, and I believe the, the, the nicer way was you smell chicanery. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely I did. Although that was during the match, uh, and I, well, we'll get there. There was some horseman shenanigans we'll get to in a little bit. But we speaking of shenanigans, we start with the WCW World Television title matchup. Diamond Dallas Page defending against Johnny V. Bad. Backstory for this matchup. Johnny V. Bad had an opportunity for the U.S. heavyweight title against Sting. Missed the opportunity on Saturday night. Yeah, it is pretty tough getting here with four flat tires, ain't it, Dallas? <laughs> How did you know it was four flat tires? I said a flat tire! <laughs> on an edition of WCW Monday Nitro, Johnny V. Bad was scheduled to face Diamond Dallas Page. Before the opening bell, DDP attacks Johnny V. Bad and steals the Bad Blaster. That's how we get here. Uh, one thing to note is the Diamond Doll, Kimberly disgusted with DDP as he makes his way to the ring holding the bad blaster. Yep. Johnny B. Bad's music hits. Johnny B. Bad backs his way up the entry. Wait a minute. That's not Johnny B. Bad. It's a stunt Johnny B. Bad. Because here comes Johnny B. Bad through the crowd. Jump-starting DDP. A little trick or treat, if you will. Uh, during the matchup, Max Muscle tries to attack Johnny. Johnny cuts him off and uh, gives DDP and jo uh, Max Muscle a meeting of the minds. With Max Muscle in there, not a lot of brain power in that one. He's nope. an idiot. Mm -hmm. Hey, hard to get here with four flat tires. What a dummy. Who invited Max Muscle? Uh, they fight into the crowd. Johnny B. Bad grabs a random rusty bucket and puts it over the head of DDP. DDP goes head first into the steel post. They talk about on commentary how maybe DDP didn't win the $13 million lottery. Maybe Kimberly won it. So maybe he isn't the $13 million man. Uh, Johnny B. Bad tries to go on the offensive. DDP drops him face first on the turnbuckle. Asks for the perfect 10. Kimberly gets no scorecard. DDP, big belly to back suplex, demands the 10. This time the 10 card comes up with a lot of disdain from Kimberly. DDP hits the pancake, only a two count. Johnny B. Bad blocks a hip toss, goes for a backslide, gets a two count, just taken out with a close. I like the exchange there. Uh, Max Muscle. Actually, they're good assist when DDP's in a top wrist lock. He kind of holds on to DDP, kind of keep the momentum in DDP's corner. Yeah. Max Muscle paying dividends there. Uh, he gets on the apron, allowing DDP to choke Johnny V. Bad with his wrist tape. Again, Kimberly is very upset. Oh, yeah. During She's not this happy with what's going on here. Johnny V. Bad escapes the back suplex, can't follow up. Eventually gets to a series of atomic drops on page. Nice flying head scissors to take him down. Comes off the top row. Big double axe handle. And Kimberly gives him a 10, and the crowd blows up for this. Oh, like, yeah. Such a little thing in the match, but it's such a good buildup. Yep. Uh, Johnny V. Bad with a big sit-down powerbomb, only gets a two-count. DDP counters a hip toss with a big DDT. He calls it the Diamond Dream. I don't remember the Diamond Dream being a thing. Hmm. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page tries for his favorite move on the planet, the Diamond Cutter, but DDP holds onto the top rope. Johnny leg scissors Page all the way to the floor, hits the bad day over the top on DDP and Max Muscle. Follows up with a slingshot press, only gets a two count. Johnny goes for the tutti fruity. Max Muscle gets on the apron, grabs a hold of Johnny. DDP goes to swing, almost hits Max. Johnny gets a roll up, only a two count. Crowd's really into this finish. And then DDP sends Johnny to the floor. Johnny sends Max into the post. Max accidentally hits DDP. 
Johnny hits Max. What a terribly great sell by Max Muscle on the apron. And then Johnny covers Diamond for the pin and the win to become the new world television champion. And the Diamond doll, Kimberly, could not be happier. Yeah, she's really happy about this. And uh, let me tell you, I'm disgusted. I'm <laughs> disgusted with her. Okay? You should be happy. Or no, you should be sad. The, the match uh, goes 17-01. And that was a fun match, but man, was it overbooked yeah. at the end. Yeah, it was for sure. It, you know, let's talk about the end. Okay? Max Muscle ac- accidentally hits... What, what I'm really concentrating on, uh, you know, is Max Muscle accidentally hits DDP. He hits him with, like, a clothesline. It's the weakest clothesline I've ever seen. Like, Max is on the apron. DDP is right, uh, right inside the ring. He hits him with just this garbage clothesline. DDP falls and gets pinned from that. Like, yeah, Max Muscle's a big, strong dude, but it was the weakest clothesline. I'm supposed to believe he got pinned from that? Dude, there's no way, bro. There's no way. I will say, uh, Johnny B. Bad is great. I love him. He's a, it's a great character. He's so tremendously over. I'm at a loss for why he uh, didn't become a bigger star in WCW long term. You know, in uh, a couple years, he'll be in WWF feuding with freaking Butterbean. Like, I, I don't know why he wasn't a much bigger deal long term in WCW. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, in like six months, he's in the WWF. That so. makes you feel worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, I don't think that Johnny B. Bad works in 1997 with the NWO still around. I guess you could say that, but let's be completely honest. His gimmick is not really too terribly far from, like, Macho Man. You know what I mean? True. He's like with but, the flamboyant like outfits. He's got the big cape thing on and stuff. So, I, but I don't know. I, I guess you're right though. Speaking of the Macho Man Randy Savage, we go to our next matchup. It's the Macho Man Randy Savage against the Zodiac of the Dungeon of Doom. Let's take a little backstory of this matchup, Wade. So, ever since September the 4th, when Lex Luger made his debut on WCW Nitro in the Mall of America, the Macho Man Randy Savage has had some trust issues with Lex Luger. They tried to sort him out at war games just in the Macho Man, the conflict brews. Eventually, after they've gone one-on-one on Nitro, they're still at each other's throats. Sting declares that if Lex Luger and the Macho Man Randy Savage both win their matches at Halloween Havoc, they're going to face each other later in the evening. couple things in on this matchup. Originally, this was scheduled to be the Macho Man Randy Savage against Kamala. I did some digging, and I mm. found out oh, good. why I found out why this match gets changed. Okay. They asked Kamala, hey, we need you to lose to the Macho Man Randy Savage. Kamala says, not going to work for me, brother, and quits WCW. He <laughs> yeah, he quits WCW. Like he's gone? He's gone. No more Kamala. Wow. I had uh, no idea. Wow. Honestly, based on how this match went, I don't know if I blame him, to be completely honest. Uh, also, re- referencing what how this match goes and how the rest of the night goes, Randy Savage's left arm is very taped up. Randy Savage is wrestling with a detached tricep muscle. So he is not in a good way. Uh, so we go to the, we go to the arena. Rey Mysterio's future music starts playing, and I'm very confused. And out comes the Zodiac. Like, the Dungeon of Doom has their own music. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, why, why not play that? I don't know. Uh, and speaking of, dude, when Zodiac is walking to the ring, the crowd is dead. And so am I. 
<laughs> no one cares about Zodiac at all. You know, you look at him in the eighties. I, you know, he's a, you know, he's a big deal. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. If you didn't know, now you know that's who he is. Uh, the crowd is dead. No one cares at all for Zodiac. Whatever he does, and I honestly, I kind of feel a little bad for him. But like, God, man, like, just he is the afterthought of afterthoughts, bro. Honestly, so is most of the guys in the Dungeon of Doom. That's probably why Kamala left. He about to lose, you know, lose a match in, in one minute to Macho Man. I don't blame him for leaving. Uh, yeah, Zodiac is Get just a complete afterthought. Give Zodiac like six months and just watch what happens to him. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, on his way to the ring, Macho Man Randy Savage finds a nice ring attendant and whispers sweet nothings in her ear. Don't tell Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> Savage jumpstarts the match on the Zodiac, and just as he starts, a fan jumps into the ring and gets manhandled by Randy Anderson. Good for you, Pee-wee. Yeah. Uh, Bruh, this is so... I was so not expecting... I didn't know this was going to happen. I had no clue, and it was so weird because, you know, I see a guy jump in. I'm thinking it's a wrestler, and so I'm like, who is this? I don't recognize him. Then I realize, like, nope, he ain't a wrestler, Uh, and Randy is completely nonchalant. He doesn't care. He just just keeps going after Zodiac, and he's like, he just can't be bothered. He just keeps walking on. He, He looks back, and he's just like, all right, whatever, and I'll keep going. The ref handles it all, handles it all great. Uh, but Macho, it was so funny to see because usually a match would like stop. A lot of the times, a wrestler would get a shot in on him, like we saw at the Hall of Fame a few years ago or whatever. Um, but Randy just didn't care at all, and that was funny to me. As a wrestler, I would like to say, don't get in the ring, dummies. Um, so when the fans in the ring, Savage and Zodiac go to the floor uh, as they rightfully should. You can even see the cameraman's telling them like, "Hey, stay on the floor." Like, wait mm-hmm. a second, while they're detaining this guy. They eventually get back into the ring. Zodiac slams the Macho Man, goes for a splash, and misses terribly. Uh, you can see in the background this guy's being arrested as the Macho Man goes to the top rope. Macho Man hits the elbow drop. And a quick win for the Macho Man. Tony Schiavone on commentary says, It's good news for Randy Savage. This match didn't go 25 minutes. It's good news for me, too. Yeah, oh, it's good news for everyone. There's no doubt. Yeah, man. This is the most... to the Zodiac. The heck are you thinking? God, dude. Yeah. So it's good that he will stay uh, limber for his match against Lex. Lex will have the opposite problem, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, we go backstage. Mean Gene Okerlund is about to ready to interview the new world television champion. Before that, Mean Gene plugs the hotline. 1-900-909-9900. Oh, he's overheard Jimmy Hart talking to a man he used to represent in another wrestling federation. $1.49 a minute. Get your information now from the hotline. Uh, Johnny Vad said there's going to be a celebration in the Motor City. And gives a very motivational speech previewing his future career as a great motivational speaker. Yep. That's about all that one. That was a very that, that was an awkward promo. That was, but it was so funny because dude, this promo actually cracked me up because him and Gene just start talking about like, hey, we're gonna go out and have fun tonight after the show. They're like, we're going. To, I can't remember what restaurants he said. We're going out to this one place, and I'm you know eating sushi or whatever it was that he said. It was so funny. They're like, I'm like, bro, these guys are making plans. Do it after the interview. What are you talking about? He's like, we're gonna go have drinks at this place. I'm like, and this is Mean Gene talking. It cracks me up thinking about Mean Gene. And Johnny B. Bad out in Detroit in the middle of the night getting drunk and whatever absolutely cracks me up, man. For for two guys who are very charismatic, they both do not click on the mic together. It's mm-hmm. weird. 
Uh, we so, go about the about about the hotline though. Is it a spoiler for me to ask you like who that was? What that was about? Because I have no clue. So I have a guess of who it oh, is, okay. and I th- think it is a spoiler for later. But I don't actually know who this becomes. Okay. I have a guess, but maybe maybe we'll dig this up uh, on the hotline later, or we'll see if they mention it tomorrow on Nitro. Maybe they, they probably won't. I. Th- think you figure it out in the main event okay, but yeah. again this would this would involve some digging into early 80s wrestling because um, I, I have an idea uh, we go to the commentary desk and they are previewing hawk against kurosawa the one thing i wrote is right in between tony and bobby there's a very very happy and distracting dad who is like just like hey i'm on tv and his kids are like oh my gosh that's our dad uh so we get ready for Kurosawa with Colonel Rob Parker against Road Warrior Hawk. Backstory on this one, wait. At the Clash of the Champions in August, Kurosawa broke the arm of Road Warrior Hawk. This is finally uh, the, the culmination of this matchup. Where the heck is Sister Sherry? I was wondering the same thing, man. I kept thinking the entire time that she was going to come out, and she never did. She kept pulling pictures out of uh, out of her pants about about the colonel on Monday, and then yep. there was no sign of her. Hawk jump starts the match, attacking Kurosawa. Hawk with a big flying shoulder block and a neck breaker. Hawk is really dominant in this matchup. Like almost ninety five percent of this match is Hawk. Hawk hits a massive power bomb, then Colonel Parker grabs the leg of Hawk, allowing Kurosawa to take control for like three seconds. Uh, Kurosawa misses an elbow drop and then Hawk clotheslines Kurosawa over the top to the floor and then Hawk out of nowhere unprovoked like a jerk attacks Colonel Parker Uh, Kurosawa sends Hawk into the ring post Kurosawa slams Hawk hits a Samoan drop puts his feet on the ropes gets the added assist from the Colonel and Kurosawa gets the win to no reaction and then Hawk gets up and no sells it Three minutes and 15 seconds. There you go. They built up this as revenge so much, and this is a pay-per-view. So I'm thinking, Hulk's got to win this, right? Do they keep feuding after this? I have no clue. Well, then why did he lose? Listen, I I, I don't know. Anyway. Warrior Hawk. The mo- what, what, honestly, what I cared more about this was something... Th- this kind of highlights how little I know about those older days in 95 and, you know, before. Um, Bobby the Brain Heenan said that... Colonel Parker got his hat from Richard freaking Petty. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Uh, that's been the gimmick they've run in for a while. That that's the lucky hat from the Colonel. But that there was no like like Richard Petty wasn't like on the show and gave it to him or anything. Oh, I don't know. If it was, it was like '94 when the Dude, Colonel broke in. So I don't know. That would have been huge, bro. That would be so cool. But I, I just love how like Colonel Parker's my only attention. I, I only care about the Colonel in that match. Yeah, yeah. So that's our second and match. And whether that... Sherry's going to come in or not, which yeah. she didn't. One down, one to go. And you know what? I beat the Zodiac here. And we had even a little audience participation, yeah, because I'm wild, yeah. And I'm going to tell you something, Hulk Hogan. I heard what you said about me a few days ago, yeah. And I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend. But if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mustache is crooked. Your beard is a little sideways, too. The giant in the dungeon of Doom Truck and your good friend Hulk Hogan in the Hulkster's Monster Truck. My curiosity is killing me just like a cat would be killed by the curiosity. That was our second match that went under five minutes. Let's do another match that goes under five minutes. 
uh, because we go right to Sabu against JL. They go 325. Uh, backstory on this one, Sa Sabu beat Mr. JL on Nitro a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then they fought some more. Mm -hmm. So pay-per-view build. Uh, first of all, when did JL lose the Mr.? Why is he so unformal anymore? I was thinking just, the exact same thing. Uh, the original Sheik comes to the ring carrying a freaking sword. It like, looks very real. Like a bro. real Ar Arabian-style sword. Uh, it was pretty cool. Let me, let me tell you something. This is really cool for me because... As I've talked about before, my my grandpa is a huge wrestling fan, or was. He doesn't watch much these days. Uh, but back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, he's told me about guys like Gorgeous George, which we talked about before. And he mentioned the Sheik. And so this has been, been a long time ago. I'm young. I'm thinking he's talking about the Iron Sheik. I'm like, oh, the Iron Sheik, that's cool. And he said, no, not the Iron Sheik, the Sheik, which came around before. Uh, so hearing stories about the Sheik back in the day from my grandpa and stuff, it's cool to see him here because I've never actually seen him, like, in wrestling before. Yeah, the Sheik was one of the original wild men, especially in the Detroit area. So nice little touch there. Another jump start to this match. Like, man, this is the third match where we're jump starting a match. And we're only three matches in. JL hits an Instagram on Sabu, sends him to the floor. We're about to go rapid fire because there's a million things that happen in three minutes. Um, Sabu sends JL into the guard. Hits a springboard moonsault that takes out JL and the Sheik. Like, holy dive. Uh, J.O. answers back with a huge dive from the top rope to the floor on Sabu. Sabu gets launched up to the top rope, lands on his feet, misses a moonsault. J.O. answers with a moonsault of his own, just a two-count. J.O. with a big sit-down powerbomb, just a two-count. Sabu avoids J.O. in the corner, follows up, slingshot, leg drop, and he lands right on J.L.'s head, like butt-to-face. Uh, at one point, J.L. German suplexes Sabu off of the top rope, still only a two-count. Sabu hits JL with the top rope victory roll, which has been his finisher in WCW. Just a two count. Sabu goes for a top rope something. JL springboard drop kicks him all the way to the floor. Sabu fights back in, hits the Arabian moonsault for the win, and immediately after the match, the Sheik throws a fireball at JL. That's right. You know why? Because he's a wizard. That was three minutes. A million things happened, and they almost missed the fireball on camera. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They almost did, yeah. Uh, I, I thought early in the match that Sheik died because <laughs> because Sabu got a moon uh, like a, an uh, acai moonsault off the ropes onto JL and Sheik on the outside, and he hit his uncle, the Sheik, in the freaking head. So I'm like, bro, this dude's like old. He's dead. <laughs> and then so for a little while in the match, he's not there. I'm like, wh what's happening to him? He's just still on the ground. Eventually he walks in and you see him. But yeah, that was funny. He, like, he, he doesn't even care if he injures his own family members. They're, they're a bunch of crazy people. And he's a, he's of, a raving lunatic, as they call him every single week. And speaking of lunatics, let me let me get a drink here. I'm about to do the thing with the guy. Oh, God. <sighs> On the stage appears Kevin Sullivan and the Master. Would you like to know what the Master said? Um, Sullivan! My son! The moon is full over Detroit, Michigan! The stars, Sullivan, are lined up, and the great Milky Way is ready for my son. In Tokyo, Japan, in Beijing, China, it's the start of another day. They say, Sullivan, that there will be a total eclipse of the sun today around the world. 
because Sullivan, we are here, right here, now and tonight. You will walk upon the galaxies because you're giant and the insurance of the Yeti. You will destroy Alchemania around the globe. Holy crap, I got lightheaded. <laughs> Marvelous, I'm dizzy right my now. Friend. Marvelous. Uh, so yeah, the master says a bunch of words in a, in a big yelling voice, and, and yeah. then Kevin Sullivan says, "It's been written from the bones of Benares. A giant shall lead us through to the next century. When Hulk Hogan put on the black, the evil inside of him grew out of control. Hulk Hogan doesn't have a friend in the universe. Sting, Savage, and Luger are vultures nipping at his heels, and lightning will not strike twice." In Detroit, referencing Andre the Giant. What the heck was that? I don't know, man. I'm dizzy. You gotta talk for that. I'm lightheaded after that master thing. I'm lightheaded after listening to it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's just wild, man. Then it, I can't even say the '90s because wild stuff like that still happens. So I, I don't know, but it was. If you want to see what WCW was like in '95, watch this promo, and it'll give you a good idea of it. So then we cut to Mean Gene Okerlund with Hulk Hogan and the winner of the WCW Harley contest that we entered uh, way back at the Clash of the Champions, Mike Hill. So Maniac thanks. Mike, brother. Maniac Mike, brother, dude. Uh, it's the official presentation of the bike. I'm really glad that Hulk Hogan just stopped being Dark Side Hulk to deliver Maniac Mike his keys. Yeah. Uh, at what point, Mean Gene Okerlund, just under his breath, goes, I could use an extra exhaust pipe myself. Me too, Gene. Uh, Hulk Hogan says he's going to ride that giant through the saddle of the night. What the heck does that even mean? No idea. Like, I, I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Uh, I don't know. This was a cool segment, though. Uh, kind of. Like, everybody talk- from Harley was awkward. Yeah. We uh, we talked about the Harley-Davidson sweepstakes before here on the podcast. So, seeing, I never thought that we would actually see them in person, uh, them giving the bike to the guy. Uh, that was really cool. They made a big uh, a big deal about the fact that he was going to drive it all the way back down to Alabama, brother. Um, so it's freaking that was, October. It's still getting yeah, a little chilly uh, for a bike ride. I, uh, it's almost it, November. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a cool segment, really, to see them, yeah. So then we go to a commercial. WCW has declared war. The next time we're on pay-per-view is Sunday, November the 26th. WCW presents wrestling's biggest battle royal. Three rings, one giant in each ring. The 60-man World War III with the winner getting a World Heavyweight Championship title shot. Have you ever watched a World War III before? Yes, I watched it with you one time. I think it was like 97 or 98. Uh, I watched it on DVD. Uh, and it was awesome. I Honestly, bro, I am psyched for this, man. The World War III is such a cool idea. I wish they'd do it again now. I mean, they do war games in NXT, Great American Bash. They should do World War III, either there or just somewhere. Uh, I think it's a cool idea. There, At one point, I can't remember who it was, there was some independent company that did a three-ring, like, 100-person battle royal. Like, it's just so many people. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. But... Uh, we, the build for World War Three is going to take a drastic turn in the coming weeks. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, remember for now, three rings, 60 men, one giant in each ring. And then we go to our next matchup. The total package, Lex Luger against Ming with the Taskmaster. This, a return match from Nitro where Ming hit Luger with the Golden Spike. If Lex Luger wins this matchup, he will face the Macho Man Randy Savage. One thing to note, Wade... 
from WCW Saturday Night the Night Before. I didn't mention this in the beginning because this is a little bit of a note. They kind of hint at it on commentary. Uh, the Shark got kicked in the back of the head, allowing Lex Luger to win that match. Kevin Sullivan comes out and says, I'll see you tomorrow night, Luger. So the Dungeon of Doom playing mind games. Tony and Bobby are speculating if Luger's really working with the Dungeon of Doom. The Dungeon of Doom really hasn't laid a lot of fingers on Luger uh, in all of these. Which is uh, a bold face lie because we saw him get choke slammed by the Giant. I mean, a Mink spiked, yeah, Mink spiked him in the throat. Yeah, I'm so I, I'm just I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Uh, Luger catapults me across the ring into the top turnbuckle. Kevin Sullivan's at ringside, and man, does he look bored. Yeah. Uh, Luger slams Mink's head into the turnbuckle with little effect. Super Samoan head follows up with a boot to the face. That one staggers Ming. Luger sends Ming over the top rope with a clothesline, and then. <laughs> Luger attempts a back suplex. Ming counters with a crossbody. Gets a two count. Ming hits Luger with a massive pile driver. Gets a two count. We go to Kevin Sullivan. He looks even more bored. And then Ming slows the pace down. And I mean way down. Yeah. And this match feels like it's gone an hour. Uh, both guys try a crossbody. Luger lands on top. Only gets a two count. Ming sends Luger to the floor. Kevin Sullivan walks over to Luger. Stands over him and talks to him. Doesn't lay a finger on Lex Luger when he has the clear chance to. And Bobby Heenan is very skeptical of this. Uh, Luger suplexes Ming from the apron back into the ring. Luger takes down Ming after a trio of clotheslines. The crowd finally shows some life because this match is dragging. Uh, Luger backdrops Ming. Couple more running clotheslines. Hits a big power slam on Ming. But then Ming grabs the golden spike. Ming jabs Luger in the throat right in front of Nick Patrick, the most powerful referee in the world, and he does nothing. Yep. Just no care in the world. Ming goes for the pin. Kevin Sullivan kicks in lightly, and I mean lightly, kicks Lex Luger in the side of the head, causing a disqualification. Lex Luger gets the win in 13-14 as Ming shoves Kevin Sullivan in disbelief. Yeah. The match took three weeks to do. Yeah, I, honestly, when you said it was 13 minutes, I was shocked. I thought it was like at least 20. Is this match still going on? I think so. Holy crap, what a long man. man. What, a, what, what a waste. Like, if you're going to do the DQ, just punch him immediately in the face. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a very good point. Especially, okay, well, just, I don't know what's Especially going on knowing here. what happens later. Punch yeah. him in the face in the beginning. Like, what a disaster. Oh, man. 13 yeah. minutes of my life I had to go through with that. What a, what a match. It felt like twice as long. There's a couple things I want to point out to you, my friends. Oh, boy. Here we go. First of all, be- actually, let me say one good thing. Well, maybe it's not so good to them. That the match if, ended? If Well, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what was so different about wrestling back then, different from now, um, a couple times in this pay-per-view you see it. Well, Kevin Sullivan and Ming are walking down the aisle. People in the in the uh, in the stands are throwing stuff at him, are throwing trash at him, and you just you never see. And it happens later. Uh, it happens in other shows. You know, as Bash a, at the Beach wrestler, is a big one. Don't uh, throw crap at wrestlers. Yeah, that's a good. And so today you never see that, but back then you see it sometimes. All right, let me tell you what really caught my attention in this one. Okay, we've talked about sports references and matches before. When we talked about Jerry Lawler talking about how bad the Cowboys were and they went and won a Super Bowl that year. Well, let's talk about something else, my friend. If you don't know me, I'm a lifelong Detroit Red Wings fan. 
And uh, so Brain talks about how they're in Detroit. They're in the Joe Louis Arena, which no longer exists, but that's where the Red Wings were for so long. Brain, they're talking about how the Detroit Red Wings, they've been there for 70 years and so on and so forth. And then Bobby the Brain freaking Heenan says, well, give it another 70 and maybe they'll win another one. Oh, really, my friend? Is that what you think? It doesn't take 70 years. It took them two. Two years later, they lifted up the cup. And then they did it again the next year. And then between then and now, they've done it two more times. How about you shut your mouth? Every time somebody says the sports team sucks in WCW, they immediately go on to win championships. So keep talking. <laughs> it's only it's only your sports teams that get buried. And they keep yeah. winning titles. Yeah. Uh, it only sucks that it's been so long since. But whatever. That's beside the point. At least your team wins stuff. Uh, we go backstage to Mean Gene and the Giant. Giant says that the 100-foot diameter circle isn't enough to contain he and Hulk Hogan. He's going to throw Hogan off the roof. That's attempted murder. And then he says he's going to chokeslam Hogan through the floor and take the world title. He says Hogan's only going to defend the title if he lives. So many murder threats. Like, what in the heck? I, I, I don't even know what to say to this. Um, we go to our next matchup. It is the much-anticipated Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting against Arn Anderson and Flying Brian tag team matchup. Let's try and piece together the backstory for this one. This is one of the longest-running feuds in WCW right now. This one goes back to the Clash of the Champions in August when Flair and Arn Anderson were facing Vader in a handicap match. And Rick and Arn finally come to blows after the matchup. And then they go one-on-one -on -one in the match. No one thought they'd ever see a fall brawl. Flying Brian interferes in that matchup, kicking Ric Flair in the back of the head. Arn Anderson hits the DDT. Anderson and Pillman align together. And then we have a series of matches on Nitro between Rick and Arn Anderson. Even a cage match at one point. And every match ends the same. Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson getting the better of Ric Flair. Flair looking for a fight afterwards. And Flair cannot find a partner flair can't find a friend in the world his past transgressions are coming back to haunt him eventually sting agrees to be rick flair's partner on a tag team matchup on nitro sting is late to the party not really trusting rick flair eventually comes out makes the save he and flair win over arn anderson and brian pillen by count out rick flair finally gets that high five he's been looking for for months and here we are it is Arn Anderson and Flying Brian against Sting and Ric Flair. We know Ric Flair was attacked at the beginning of the night. Sting has arrived at the building. So, Arn Anderson and Pillman come out to the ring. Sting makes his way alone, and there is a huge We Want Flair champ. Oh, yeah. And very similar to the Flair match when he was in the handicap situation, Sting is really dominant against Arn and Pillman for the majority of this matchup. Yep. At what point... Uh, Sting escapes a full Nelson, puts a full Nelson on Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson climbs up the ropes trying to escape. And Sting just drops him, like comically drops him. Um, Sting, it's baffling how much offense he really gets in. If you really think about this matchup, the amount of times he's forcing Pillman and, and Anderson to retreat and regroup on the floor is shocking. Pillman slaps Sting in the face, lures him outside. This is obviously a trap by the horseman. Sting sniffs it out, avoids Arn Anderson, takes them both out on the floor again. Pillman tries the handshake. Sting doesn't trust that. Military press them on Pillman. So, again, every dirty tactic that the horsemen are trying, Sting's all over it. Pillman...
goes to the top rope. Sting catapults Arn Anderson into Flying Brian. Sends Pillman crashing into the guardrail after that. And then, finally, the, the horsemen take over. Arn Anderson with an old Anderson cousin tradition. He throws Sting into the head of Brian Pillman, sacrificing his own partner. And the horsemen take over. But just as Arn takes control, here comes the nature boy. Dressed in his street clothes. Big old band-aid on his head. And... Flair's trying to get a hold of Arn Anderson, and the referee comes over and kind of separates him. This gives Pillman the opening to attack uh, Sting on the floor. Flair keeps trying to get into the matchup, and it really just deters Sting every time he does it. It's causing chaos for his partner. I did like at one point Arn Anderson has a chin lock on Sting. Flair comes in and hits Arn in the butt with a shoe. It's a great use of a shoe. Uh, the Horsemen try the rocket launcher at one point. Sting gets the knees up. Pillman eats a hard landing. Sting is almost to the tag. Arn holds him off. Every near tag, the crowd is coming alive. They want Sting to make that tag. At one point, Sting's about to make the tag. Flying Brian comes around the ring, distracts Flair. Flair jumps off the apron and chases Flying Brian around. And the Horsemen just keep double-teaming Sting, double-teaming him, underhanded tactics. And every time Flair gets in, he never can get a never can quite get a hand on somebody. The referee just in the way. Flair finally has enough of it. Runs in trying to save Sting again. This opens up the distraction. Arn Anderson with a big spine buster puts him in a submission. And Rick, you can hear him telling Sting, "Stand tall. Come on, give me the tag. Being a cheerleader." Sting eventually fights out of the corner, slams Pillman into Arn Anderson. Sting reaches out, finally makes that tag. Crowd explodes. Rick Flair hits the rope. He's strutting. And he sucker punches Sting in the face. The horsemen have done it again. They attack Sting. Sting is enraged, trying to get to Ric Flair, but it's a three-on-one beatdown. Flair removes the band-aid. It was all a ruse, Rick. Why, why, why is Sting the most gullible babyface of all time? This is the second time in five years that the horsemen have tricked Sting. Mm. Like he fell for this in 1990. Mm. Like they did the same thing to you, dummy. They start throwing garbage in the ring. The match is ruled. I say it's a no contest. The record book says Flair and Sting win by a DQ. I don't understand. I, it's a no. I don't understand either, dude. Regardless, it's 17 minutes. It goes a no contest. I I love the match finish. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, cool it's one it. of my favorite finishes. Um, thoughts on the actual tag match? Because I think this was the best match on the card. Yeah, you're probably right. I uh, yeah, the match was good. It was it was interesting to see how the it was like the opposite of the match they had before, where Rick was in the ring and Sting came out later. Now it's the opposite. Sting comes out in a street clothes, and I'm like, bruh, like what have you been doing for the last three hours? Like I understand he was attacked, but he doesn't have trunks on or anything, bro. What are you doing? Let me say that. When Rick came in and he gets up on the apron, what do I see in the crowd? A sign that says, Rick Flair for president. God help us all. In spoiler, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead here. Spoiler alert. In 1999, we do get president of WCW, Rick Flair. And those are stupid fun. I, I remember that. And it's stupid fun. I don't fun. remember that at all, but I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah. The whole, as this was going on, I've, since we've been watching wrestling our entire life, I sniffed this out from a mile away because I didn't know this was going to happen at all. I knew the Four Horsemen would be back together by 96. I just didn't know when. 
Um, so I sniffed it out from a mile away. I just sensed it, bro. And I texted Jr. while I was watching this. I smell something rotten, my friend. I smell shenanigans coming. And I was 100% right. You know, Rick gets in the ring and then punches Sting. Bro, like, I don't hate it because I love... I mean, the Four Horsemen are one of the greatest things ever. But it's just, my God, it's insane. As you said, people are throwing stuff in the ring. The referees come in trying to break it all apart. And Ric Flair freaking kicks a referee. He kicks him. Like, you... Ugh. He's gonna get suspended or something? Probably not, because he's Ric Flair. But, uh, it's wild. This, this goes back to the fact that Sting is the dumbest babyface in all of wrestling. Like, it is just a running theme. And, like, we're gonna see it more and more. Like, he's part of the Hogan getting turned on. And, like... <laughs> 98-99, like, Sting gets turned on for being just a dumb babyface. He is, like, too nice of a guy. Mm -hmm. uh, after the match, Mean Gene interviews the four horsemen. Uh, Ric Flair says, now we go to school. First thing you learn is, you don't jump on double A. Second thing you learn is, you don't play around with Flyer Brian. Third thing you learn is, you never mess around with an nature boy. And the fourth thing is, you don't walk, talk, or breathe unless the horsemen want you to. Be careful what you wish for. All you bloodthirsty fans out there that ask for this, well, you got it. Now deal with it. And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good uh, point. Because we talked about this before. The fans are bloodthirsty. They want all this action and people to get murdered in the ring. And so Arn straight up said it. He's like, you bloodthirsty fans, you got what you wanted. The funniest thing about this was, during during while they were talking, somebody throws a cup in there, and it just like lands in the middle of uh, Arn's arm, and he throws it down. So it funny. Is the, it is the perfect catch. Like, it is right <laughs> between Arn and Rick, and none of them break stride. They're like, cool, caught this. That is my second favorite crowd-throwing garbage moment, and we will hit the other one. On a nitro with Scott Hall. Oh, you didn't like because Jeff Hardy swatting it out of the. Out no, of the because there is one with Scott Hall where like we thought Razor Ramon was cool. Like Scott Hall is so cool when it happens. Um, the so the Ric Flair ends the promo saying it's reunited and it feels so good. And here soon there will be a fourth Horseman. So the Horsemen are growing in numbers. Sting's problems only continuing. Here in WCW. That's right. And Tony Schiavone on commentary said, was this the plan all along? And I was thinking the exact same thing because this is a, a really roundabout way to bring the Four Horsemen back, dude. So I, I, think, I think it's ironic because last year they talked about Halloween Havoc was in the same building. And it's just crazy how different Ric Flair is in a, in a year. Flair was on his own in 94 and he loses the retirement match to Hogan. And he goes away for a few months and he comes back and he's working with Arn and Vader. And then they eventually, you're right, get a roundabout way to the four horsemen. I don't know if they were trying it with Vader as, like, the muscle, and then that didn't work. And, and now they're going this route. But regardless, the four horsemen are back in business, and uh, I don't want to be Sting right now. So we go backstage. Iron Mike Tanay is with the total package Lex Luger. And Mike Tanay asked Lex Luger, Lex, why was your match so long and boring? I, I mean, uh, can you please clear up the confusion of their matchup with Ming? And uh, now that you have to face the Macho Man Randy Savage, 
Luger says there's forces within WCW that want this match between Luger and Savage to take place. And he says he's going to go through Savage to get to the WCW World title. I will say this, regardless of how chaotic the Lex Luger stuff has been, he has had one constant of, I want to be the world champion. Oh, yeah. So I like that that's the thread. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Speaking of the world heavyweight title. Yeah, here we go, baby. Um, let's, let's, let's hit a backstory first. The Giant appeared at Bash of the Beach 1995, tossing Andre the Giant's shirt at Hulk Hogan, and then he eventually joins the Dungeon of Doom. We go to Fall Brawl. The Giant runs over Hulk Hogan's Harley Davidson with a Dungeon of Doom monster truck attempting murder, and then breaks his neck after the War Games match. A few weeks later, Hulk Hogan, cutting a promo on Nitro, attacked by a woman in a crowd. That's not a woman. That's a stunt granny. Wait a minute. That's Kevin Sullivan. Uh, the giant once again breaks Hogan's neck, and they shave the mustache of Hulk Hogan, those evil doers in the Dungeon of Doom. Hogan then turns to the dark side. He's now dressed in black. On the final Nitro before Halloween Havoc, the Dungeon of Doom says they have an insurance plan for Halloween Havoc. During our main event, it's chaos backstage and in the ring. Hulk Hogan and the giant come to blows, and just it looks like that they're going to fight again. The ice block at the stage explodes, revealing the Yeti. The Yeti. It's the Yeti. Uh, we cut to the commentary desk. Eric Bischoff has taken over. We're joined by Bob Chandler, the constructor of Hulk Hogan's monster truck. Hello, Bob Chandler. How are you? Uh, and then we go to the roof of Kobo Hall. This was taped the night before. Spoiler alert. Uh, oh, jeez. I didn't know that at all. I mean, once you see what happens, they had, they had to plan this out a lot. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, so, here are the rules for the first ever Monster Truck Sumo Match. Wade, the only way to win the match is to push the other truck completely out of the circle. That's both sets of axles. There's, They said there's two randomly placed explosive charges hidden on the roof of Kobo Hall. This seems super safe. Um, they talk about how there's a co-pilot in each truck because each axle is steered different. I don't know anything about monster trucks. Let's be, yeah. I watched, I went to monster jam once as a kid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I met great. I met grave digger. Like, that, oh, that's, nice. all I, that's all I got. Nice. Um, we get a face to face, uh, between the giant and Hogan. Like this is a very UFC face to face, but now there's just monster trucks. Can you imagine like Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell getting ready for a fight and there's just monster trucks behind Bruce Buffer. That's a visual I need. Honestly, I might be more likely to watch it, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, so the match begins. Eric Bischoff is very enthused on commentary. And there's lots of pushing. Oh, yeah. And some more pushing. And more pushing. And they circle. And the giant pushes Hogan's back tires out, but not the front ones. That's a false finish. And then the giant again pushes Hogan back. We get two tires out, and then they hit one of the charges. And, and it does nothing. Like, Bob Chandler, like, before, like, or during the match is like, yeah, if they hit one of those charges, like, the hydraulics could go out, the water line could break, they could blow up the truck. Nothing happens. Hulk with a big counter swing, and then he pushes the giant. Why am I talking about this? Like, it's a match. Like, Hogan pushes the giant's truck out of the freaking circle. Like, that's it. Like, it was a cool visual, but yeah. it was so long. It was, honestly, I thought it was great, dude. I thought this, I'm I'm watching this as a five-year-old in my head. The child inside of me is still alive, okay? Uh, Mine's as, dead then. We, this would have been so much fun to see back then. I wish I would have. Uh, I would have loved it. Honestly, I thought this was just fun. You know, like, I know you. it may not be your favorite thing in the world, 
But I'm watching this thinking about if I would like it as a kid, and I absolutely, I just thought it was fun. Okay, well then let, let me ask you a question. Did you as a kid like the post-match where the giant immediately gets out of his truck, throws a tantrum, chases Hulk Hogan, backs him up towards the edge of the building, grabs him by the throat, Hogan counters, breaks the grip of the giant, and the giant falls off of Kobo Hall, and they cut to the, to the Detroit River because he fell off the building. They pushed a man off a five-story building, and they say he landed in the Detroit River. Well, guess what? I did some research. I went on Google Maps. I looked up what is now Huntington Place. It's the former Kobo Hall. Do you know how far it is from the edge of the building to the Detroit River? It's 275 feet. That is almost a football field that Hulk Hogan would have had to throw a 500-pound man off of from five stories up to hit the Detroit River. And then Hogan is terrified. Like, oh my gosh, he fell. I need help. Yeah. He's dead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I'm watching this at five years old, I'm absolutely thought, bro, I just witnessed a death. At least WCW paid off their promise because they both said they were going to throw each other off the building. That's true. I never, yeah, I never saw this coming at all because I'm like, because you're, you're absolutely right. They talked about, you know, I'm going to throw you off the roof and stuff like that. So I'm going into this watch and I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen. Nobody's getting thrown off the roof. Okay. This is 1995. Nothing that insane is going to happen. Well, I was wrong. The giant fell off a freaking roof, and it was awesome. Uh, they sold it incredibly well. Uh, they show them back on commentary. These dudes are freaking out. You would have thought, like, for real, he just died. Bobby the Brain Heenan is freaking out because we know, you know, he had a history with Andre the Giant. And so because of that, he is losing it, bro, for the next 20 minutes until the next match starts. He's into the, the world title match starts. He's losing it. I like the fact that at one point Bobby asked Bischoff what side did he fall off, the parking lot or the water, and Bischoff says what difference does it make, and just the frustration on Bobby Heenan's face. Like, yeah. obviously he's trying to sell it in character, but I think he is, like, royally annoyed, and he has to call this right now. Um, so then in, in pure pro wrestling fashion, after a man is thrown off of a building and murdered, we go right back to the ring for more action. Uh, it's the Macho Man Randy Savage and Lex Luger. This is the big blow-off to their series of matches. No real need for a backstory. I already covered it. L Savage beat Zodiac, and Luger technically beat Ming. Um, they stall, and they stall, and they stall. Luger offers a handshake. Macho Man goes on the offensive. Instead, Jimmy Hart slowly makes his way down to ringside just to watch. Somber look on his face, and my thought is, you are managing Hulk Hogan, and your your client just murdered somebody. I would be calling Johnny Cochran at this point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Savage cut off the top rope, double axe handle, Luger cuts him off. Luger knees Savage in the face. Jimmy Hart gets on the apron, though. He's distracting the referee. Luger's attempting a pinfall. Jimmy Hart causes, you know, the pinfall to get ignored. Then Savage throws Luger into Jimmy Hart, allowing the Macho Man Randy Savage to hit the flying elbow for the win. In 523, it's our fourth match. It's under five and a half minutes on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Actually, was... fifth if you count the monster truck sumo. Yeah. 
Uh, wow. Like, this is a huge match going into it. They had to both win matches to get to this match. It's a huge deal. I expected this match to be much longer, much more intense. Uh, it just wasn't... Like, I just didn't care about this match, dude. Like, I mean, I, I like I care about the characters going into it, but the match itself, I'm like, this is a completely forgettable match. Yeah. It Again, it builds to the main event, but it doesn't do anything for me here. After the match, we go back to the commentary desk. Bobby and Tony are at ringside, and Bobby is going ballistic. No, no, not Buffer. What's going on outside? They have not been told outside, okay? How long does it take to get outside? I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. You walk out the building, you go outside. You go out back, you go outside and see what the hell's going on. That's what you do, Shimani. You don't worry about Buffer. You don't worry about a bunch of guys in a truck. Do I have to go? That's the best thing that's happened to me all night. Keep going. Nothing yet on the Giant. We have no idea if he's going to show up or not, if he is hurt, if he's injured, if he's in the river. I can't get outside. There's going to be 500 people standing in the doorway. It'd take me two hours to get outside. And this is 1995, and we have phones, walkie-talkie, communication. We can talk to astronauts on the moon. We can't find out what's going on 50 feet from this building. Now, I need some answers now. Is that a whole lot to ask for, Tony? Maybe you don't know something, pal. I'm going to tell you straight right now. You don't know how far back me and his father go. Now, this is very serious to me. I have no idea what is going to happen next. But I do know that Hulk Hogan and the Giant are now scheduled to wrestle in our main event at Halloween Havoc for the WCW World Heavyweight title. That's what I do know. Yeah, but why can't we find out anything? I mean, is it a lot to ask? Do you want me to get on my hands and knees and beg? If you want, I'll do that. I'll get down, I'll talk to the truck. I'll tell them, please, just send us some information. Is, is that hard to find out? I'll show you how to get to the building. Take a cab around the building. Walk outside of the building. You'll see Cobo Hall. But could someone please tell us what is going on, please? I can't help you, Brain. I'm just like you are. We're, we both have heads. No, you're not like I am. You don't care. No. Yeah, nobody's you like don't care. You don't care. You can care less. Yes, I do care. Well, you don't show like you care. You keep asking me stupid questions, and you're sticking up for the other people that won't tell us something. The reason they're not telling us something is because it's bad. Because it's bad. Bobby's really selling this really well. Like he, oh, like yeah. it's a ridiculous angle, but he's doing such a good job with it. At one point, he gets on his hands and knees and he's pleading for information and updates. Like he's really selling this. And then we just go to the ring. Michael Buffer's in the ring. He tries to introduce the giant. Instead, we get Dark Side Hulk Hogan, who somberly walks to the ring, not dressed to compete, or so they say. Uh, Hogan grabs the microphone. He says, "This wasn't supposed to happen. He didn't want this to go this way." You literally said you were going to throw him off the roof like multiple times and bury him next to Andre in Detroit. You get, this is preempted, you murderer. Yeah. Uh, Hogan then apologizes, and the giant arrives unfazed. Not a scratch on him. He's not wet. He's got a leaf on him. There's no bruises. There's no dirt. Oh, yeah. He is fine. Uh, Bro, when he, I fully expected him to be like dripping wet or something walking into the arena, but that didn't happen at all. You would have thought nothing happened. They could have done any sort of hokey crap where yeah. it's like the master is in the back yelling at a smoke symbol, raise him from the dead, Sullivan! Like something stupid. And it would have made sense. I would have been okay with it. Yep. It's just, no, nah, here he is. He's alive. And then he <laughs> runs Hogan out of the ring in fear. Like he controls the ring. So... Am I to believe that the giant has been resurrected? Is he immortal? Like, 
what is happening? I don't uh, know, but Hogan had the mo- the biggest shocked face I've ever seen, dude. Like, he fully expected Giant to be dead. And then, it's like Kane at WrestleMania 20. <laughs> it's, so, this is the Giants' debut match. Hogan removes the bandana, reveals he has the Taskmaster's face paint on. Starts to punch the Giant, no effect. Tries to slam the Giant, can't get him up. This is a very basic Hogan versus Giant Man match. Mm-hmm. Where the Giant dominates most of the match. Hogan... Is trying to hulk up out of a test of strength. Gets cut back down. Giant with a big body slam. Misses a leg drop. Hogan again tries to hulk up. Works over the Giant for just a second. He's got the Giant in the corner going for the 10 punch. He shoves Randy Anderson just out of the way. That's a DQ hulk. Uh, No rules. He begins to punch the Giant in the top of the head. He finally takes the Giant off his feet with a trio of clotheslines. The last one setting him over the top rope. And a hard landing for the Giant on the floor. He then sends Kevin Sullivan into the Giant on the entranceway, but the Giant fights back. Big backbreaker. And here comes Bear Hug. For a long time. Yep. But then Hogan but then Hogan fights out of the Bear Hug. And he gets body slammed by the Giant and put back into a Bear Hug. For a long time. We do the arm dropping. And Hogan gets the third arm to stab. He's fighting out of the Bear Hug, brother, brother. Hits the rope. And gets caught and driven with a choke slam. Like what a huge choke slam! Yeah. But Hogan kicks out at two, and here comes the full-on Hulk up, brother, brother. Pasta mania running through his soul. Big boot giant doesn't go down. Hogan slams the giant with a picture-perfect body slam as the place goes nuts. If you want to play up tribute to Andre, that is a perfect body slam. Like it looks so pretty. Hogan then goes for the leg drop, and the referee collapses. And it's later revealed Jimmy Hart hits the referee. Hogan and Jimmy Hart attempt to revive the referee, but he's telling Jimmy Hart to watch the referee. He pushed the referee down. Jimmy Hart is attacked. The giant then applies the bear hug, as and then Jimmy Hart motions to the back. Here comes Randy Savage and Lex Luger. Jimmy Hart hits the Macho Man Randy Savage. Luger's attacking Savage now. And here he comes. And the Yeti! The Yeti appears. He marches down to the ring and applies the double bear hug. He's got a submission. He's dry humping Hulk Hogan. Yeah. (laughs) There's no other way to say this. There is a man... Ron Reese is wrapped up in toilet paper, dry-humping Hulk Hogan. This is... I don't even know how to put words to this. Uh, If you haven't seen this, I honestly hesitate to even tell you to go and watch it. You've probably seen... (laughs) I I haven't seen this match, but now that I saw it, I realized that I had seen, like, GIFs and stuff from it before. Just... This is the weakest bear hug I've ever seen. He comes out and holds Hulk Hogan and the Giant together in a bear hug... It's not even a, a bear hug. He's just hugging him. He, he's dry humping Hulk Hogan. I it's Oh, my God. This was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. The whole thing in general, I get it. It, it was very... I didn't know Jimmy was going to turn on Hulk. I knew that he would be with the dungeon eventually. I just didn't know it was right now. Um, it was so insane. The Yeti is the stupidest character I've ever seen. Uh, he The worst bear hug. This whole thing is just driving me insane. 
Hogan collapses from the double bear hug. He's then placed in a torture rack by Lex Luger. Luger puts mm -hmm. the rack on Savage. The referee yeah. raises the giant's hand. The giant is the winner by disqualification for Jimmy Hart's interference hitting the referee. Giant then steals the world title, but even though it's announced the title cannot change hands on a disqualification. Giant stands over Hulk Hogan as the Dungeon of Doom celebrate over the broken bodies. And Bobby Heenan says, warm up the bedpan because Hulk Hogan's going to the hospital. We see Bobby Heenan applauding the carnage, and we sign off the air with Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage destroyed in the ring. The Dungeon of Doom has struck, and the Yeti has arrived, Wade. I I don't even know what to say. The Yeti, I just I, I just can't. He's 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 a mummy. Why the I don't know. I don't. We've talked about this before. I'm not going to say it again. It's so if it dumb. You, if it makes you feel any better, he loses the band aids pretty soon. I hope so. And he gets a worse gimmick. Oh, God. Well, that um, we'll get there in a minute. Me. So, Bobby Brain Heenan says, because Hulk Hogan is so beat up, he says, what if he can't defend the title going forward? And then that makes me think some major shenanigans are going to keep happening. So, uh, tune in next week and we'll talk about the next Nitro. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen, but we're going to find out. I'm going to say this. You are going to be super annoyed on the next episode of Nitro. I'm not surprised. Um, let, let's go to the scoreboard because I think the scoreboard is going to change drastically next week. Um, this is the Monday Night Warfare podcast. We're glad you sat with us through Halloween Havoc. Next week, we are back to our normal format of Raw versus Nitro with a little bit of ECW Hardcore TV in there. Let's go to the scoreboard, Wade. You've got Nitro 6-1. to one. I've got Nitro 5-2. to two. Nitro clearly in control on both of our scoreboards. I'm worried about Nitro next week. Knowing what's going to happen, I do I only know the moments. I don't know the matches. And I'm worried. <laughs> uh, I've not seen this episode of Raw. So let's run down the cards here. Uh, do you want Raw or Nitro's card first? Let's just get Nitro over with. All right, so we will have the fallout from Halloween Havoc 1995. We will hear from the Dungeon of Doom, specifically Jimmy Hart and the Giant. They have some explaining to do. Uh, you are going to see Eddie Guerrero against Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. Scott Norton and the Shark, this is that matchup setting way back from September 11th, finally paying off on that matchup. Sabu against the Disco Inferno. Spoiler alert, this is Sabu's last WCW match. Are you serious? <laughs> He's going back to ECW. Oh my god, wow. Okay. And I can now tell you, because it's not, it's not a spoiler anymore, who the American males are going to face in tag team action. They're going to take on the team of Lex Luger and the man called Ming. The Dungeon of Doom is in action. Lex Luger and Ming against the American Males. That's your main event on Nitro. Uh-oh. Okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here, bro. All right. On Raw, on, this is October the 30th. This is the final Raw and Nitro of the month of October. It'll be the broadcast premiere of Gold Dust, one-on-one -on -one with Savio Vega, Marty Jannetty against Joe Dorgan. Hello, Johnny Swinger. WWF Tag Team Titles is Smoking Guns to defend against John Rector and Phil Apollo. I mean, does it make it any better that John Rector is the future Balls Mahoney? Yes. And Phil Apollo is Phil Apollo. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I tried. All right, give, give, give me a break. I tried. All right. <laughs> and... Second title match on Raw, the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Razor Ramon defends against the number one contender, Owen Hart. Two title matches on Raw and shenanigans on Nitro. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> also, ECW Hardcore TV. Two matches are signed there. The Pitbulls are in tag team action against Don E. Allen and Tony Stetson. I have no idea. No idea. Uh, and the ECW World Heavyweight Championship is on the line. It's a ladder matchup. The Sandman defends for the 17,000th time against yep. Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> Can Mikey get the job done? Find out next week. If he doesn't win this time, I'm just done with him, bro. <laughs> Wade, any final comments on Halloween Havoc before we sign off this week? Uh, I don't know what to say, man. I'm, I'm, it's, it's complicated. Uh, that's. I have I a controversial think, point. Well, okay, go ahead. So, in the last two weeks, we've watched two bad pay per views. Yes. In your house, four was better than Halloween Havoc. You're dead to me. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. Uh, you're sick. I'm sickened by you. Bruh, uh, so get, many DQs and no finishes on this pay-per-view. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, and I, yeah, I can't stand the BA's finishes a lot, but this, I think overall was more fun of a pay-per-view, and I cared more about it. The Monster Truck thing was, I thought it was fun. Uh, the main event was, it was a cluster, but the match <laughs> itself was okay, I guess. It was, it was classic Hulk Hogan, which was fun to see, honestly. Um... The overall show was just more fun than in your house, I thought. So uh, I'm going to come over there, and I'm going to punch you in the throat, and then we'll be done with it. Give me Mabel and Yoko for 44 more minutes. Okay, now I'm <laughs> sickened. <laughs> we thank you for joining us in another episode of the Monday Night Warfare podcast. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow all the things you got to do. And we will catch you next week with another edition of Raw vs. Nitro on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. <laughs>